This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So the only thing left to say is, you in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get reward points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The most famous goal of Chris Billy's life. Is this the moment for Lee Fowler? It is. Take your place in Division 2. Huddersfield Oi. 2. Thank you. Champion Steve Simonson's boots now. He's missed. Steve Simonson clears the frame of the goal and collapses in a heap of tears. Huddersfield Town are promoted for Schindler has a chance to write his name in Huddersfield Town legend and he takes that chance Hello and welcome to episode 195 of the Andy Takes That Chance podcast AI Santa is busy getting ready to deliver presents so real people are back in the pod seat for this episode. So next stop on his magical mystery promotional tour for weareterriers.substack.com is David Hartrick. How are you doing, Dave? Yeah, not bad at all, Matt. It's been a while since I've been on. Nice to be back. I've been on with Brady, but I've not been on with yourself for quite a while. No, and back as well, we've got Jerry all the way from the USA. How are we doing, Jerry? I'm doing great, getting ready for uh, Christmas and uh, looking forward to opening some gifts and washing out the taste of watching Huddersfield Town play Norwich today. Yeah, well, speaking of gifts, that certainly wasn't one that we saw today, but let's do the uh, sponsor first. So this episode, as always, is sponsored by Magic Rock Brewing. Use our code of AHTTC10 to get 10% off all of your online orders. Uh, also, as well, the Magic Rock will be open, uh, I think, for Boxing Day and when we play Middlesbrough. So get yourself down there, and you might just see one or two of the lads drowning their sorrows down there. Right. Um, I'll be honest, I lost my head before kickoff with this, Dave. Um, I saw the lineup, and I saw Sorber Thomas through the middle again, and I just thought, this guy's learned absolutely <laughs> nothing once again. Um, I just feel Town's... Co- all of their creativity comes down the right-hand side through Sorba Thomas. You move him infield and nothing comes from him. And yet again, he's moved him infield and nothing's come from him. It, it, honestly, it baffles me. It baffles me how it would either it would, it would enter his head to, to make this move, considering what we saw the last two or three occasions he's done it. 
and we've got nothing from Sauber Thomas. In fact, what we've done is we've made Sauber Thomas worse and made the team worse as a result by moving him out of position. And it just I just lost my head when I saw it. I just thought, well, we're going to create absolutely nothing today. And lo and behold, what was the XG? 0.08 at one point when I checked. I think that bears to uh, bears to the decisions, Dave. What would you say? I don't necessarily agree with. I started with, hard there already, haven't I? Yeah, I've I, hard already. <laughs> I, I don't necessarily agree with that. If I'm honest, I, I think I understand where you're coming from, and I understand, I, I understand the logic behind it. But I think there have been games where Sorb has been quite good through the middle, and I think he did spend most of his time on the right. In truth, I mean, regardless of where it said he was on the team sheet, I think the problem Town have got at the moment is Sorber is all they've got, and. It's trying to put him in a position where possibly he's not going to have two men to be every single time because opposition analysts just put two men on Sorber and that's kind of you nullified. And I think it, I said it briefly off air, but it's probably not a great tagline to sell this podcast. But it, I, I'm kind of struggling for new things to say because it's just another game that kind of shows all the problems that Huddersfield Town have, you know, that we know they they need more creativity they need a passing midfielder they need a striker with real presence i still think they need another winger because i just don't think sorba can do it all on its own on all on his own whether you're playing through the center or whether you play him out wide so but i, I kind of i know where you're coming from but i would dispute that there has been games where he's been good for this i mean think about birmingham last season where he was really good through the middle um, and sort of join that press, and the I last kind time of I can get remember them. it. Good day was Fulham away under Carlos Colbran. That's the last time I can remember that working. To be honest, but I I think they were looking for some energy through the middle because when you lose Wardy, you don't have a lot of energy high in that press. And I can kind of understand trying to get Sorber higher in the press, but as I said, it, it was only that's only what it looked like on paper because he spent most of the game doing you know in the position he usually is which is out on the right and he actually did a pretty good job covering defensively today um because we'll we'll get into the defending and the defending from wide positions a bit but Sorba wasn't wasn't one of the worst defenders today by a long stretch no he works he always works hard doesn't he jerry jerry how, how did you see it then when when we lined up um i mean darren Morris hamstrung isn't he by what he's got nothing's going to change is it until until January and even then it might not be till the end of January um it's just the way that the window the window falls and goes isn't it so I mean when I saw it my like like I just said today my head just went oh not again through the middle but (laughs) I mean there's there's only so much he can he can kind of do before you know it's making as as we say over here what is it Dave it's uh making a a silk purse out of a sow's ear isn't it Mm. it's extremely frustrating that over the summer uh Matt you said we need a we need to sign a central striker. I said we need to sign a central striker. Kevin Nagel said we need to sign a striker. I called up a starfish at the bottom of the Atlantic Ocean and I said, "Hey, starfish, uh, what do you think Town need to sign uh, here over the summer?" And the starfish said, "Well, you know, I'm a brainless invertebrate at the bottom of the sea, but Town clearly need a striker. Like uh, even I, you know, obviously, duh, come on." And so here it is, uh, you know, a couple of days before Christmas and we're lining up as a pair, you know, at the top of this, you know, sort of three, five, two, where, you know, so we're playing a little bit underneath Bergzorg, um, you know, 
with Delano Bergsorg and Sorba Thomas as our like two up front. And I, you know, I sort of agree with both of you in the sense, you know, Dave, I think having Sorba, you know, in that position and then you're right, he definitely drifted wide a lot as well. Um, isn't like the worst idea I've ever heard, but I think that would be a lot more effective playing off of a more traditional Danny Ward type, you know, central striker as opposed to birds or, you know, you want somebody who plays with their back to goal, you know, let Sorba run off of him as opposed to birds who kind of wants to do the same thing, you know, out of a front two that Thomas does, which is get on the ball, run at people, you know, it's just, as a pairing, that's to me is what doesn't work. Like, you know, on paper, could you have Sorba up front in the, you know, in a two? Okay, yeah, sure, we can try that. You know, kind of as this withdrawn striker. On in practice, when you pair him with Bergsor, I don't see how that's going to work. Like both of them, you know, it just it doesn't work to me. I felt like if you want Thomas on the field and you definitely have to have Sorba on the field for all the things we've listed, you know, it, it just seems so much more natural to have him on the right in a, you know, a three up front, uh, you know, which we don't have um, Pearson. Maybe now's the time to go to four at the back. We could put Headley on the left, put Jackson who's healthy again on the right. Uh, you know, we've got a, you know, a midfield three where, you know, with, you know, now that Kasumu's healthy, that makes sense. Kasumu, Rudoni, and Hogg, I think, might be their first choice three for a midfield three. Um, you know, so it, it did not feel to me like a promising lineup when I looked at it. You know, I don't think I would say it's impossible for Down to put together a good performance from putting that starting 11 out there. But it also did not fill me with confidence to answer your question, Matt. Like, when I saw the team sheet, um you know, it, it just it's crying out for a Danny Ward in that kind of formation. And they don't have Danny Ward. Uh, it was predictable that they didn't have Danny Ward. It just felt like a game where, you know, you really see the struggles that we had over the summer uh, really laid bare. And that's not to take, uh, you know, the blame away from Darren Moore, which I'm sure we're going to talk about. You know, the bottom line is this is 14 points from 16 matches. The last five matches in particular, I have found incredibly uninspiring. Um, but, you know, the formation issues in particular, I think, really go back uh, to the failure to sign another option over the summer. I mean, going back to Danny Ward, that was the glaring omission from the team sheet, wasn't it? And, yeah. and I know I remember when Danny Ward got his new contract in in the summer, and I think a lot of us were like, yeah, okay. Danny Ward, but for two years and, and that sort of two-year contract now, even if it is reduced terms, that two-year contract now is starting to look a long time, isn't it, for, for Danny Ward? And I'm sure it's not intentional. It's just you've got a 33-year-old striker. I think he turned 33 the other day, didn't he? He's, he was breaking down quite a lot. And it's just another level of frustration, isn't it? Because Danny Ward, if he's ever fit, is actually fairly, he's a decent striker at this level, but he's just never fit. So... You know, people people caveat that way, saying no, he's not good enough because he's never fit, and it's it's a frustrating, as sad and sad um, position that we find ourselves in. Because you know, a fully fit Danny Ward makes a makes a difference in in terms of how we can play and how we can set up. Um, a half fit Danny Ward doesn't really, and a, and a zero fit Danny Ward gives us a whole different uh, level of problems as well. And again, Dave, I can see it written on your face. It's like 
well, it's got to be addressed in January, isn't it? And that's all we can really say, isn't it? That that, that has to be addressed mm. in January because, and, and Danny Ward's two-year contract, I mean, it's a Neil Warner one, isn't it, I guess? Yeah, I think he, he you know, he was good under Warnock. He played through injury for Warnock. Somebody else has come in and he's not playing through injury. Um, and I, I get it, you know, I, I completely understand it. I think Wardy has given a lot over the last couple of years. I think he's put his body on the line a lot. Um, but the thing is, Huddersfield Town need a striker. That is just that is just the bottom line. And I think the problem you've got with Bergsorg is that I'm still not 100% sure what he what he's good at, if I'm honest. Um, we had a long discussion on the We Are Terriers pod about it. I think it was not this week, the week before, where it's not to say that we don't rate him or we don't think there's a world where he could be a, a good and useful player for Huddersfield Town, but we're just still not 100% sure what that player is or, or where that player should be or, or how you use him best. But the issue is that it's not just that they haven't got Danny Ward, it's that there's no... their strikers that are available... So you look at Ward and you look at Hudlin and you look at Harrett when he's available, obviously, when he's injured. They're all so different. They you, you have to play different ways to get the best out of them. And they kind of, it just shows where this squad is at the moment, that there's kind of no through line between the strikers. And you don't want three strikers who all do the exact same thing. You don't, because you want to be able to change games when you bring someone on. But at the same time, you need a bit of connective thread. And there's no sort of connective thread between Delano Bergsorg, Danny Ward, Carl Hudlin, you know, there's no, there's, they're so different. You have to do completely different things. And I just, I think with the, the thing about the today was that I said at half time, we're, as I said, we'll get into it, but I, I don't think town did bad first half, but the problem was got nothing in the final third. There's 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 nothing there. Norwich threw the kitchen sink at them at times and they left huge gaps at the back. Huge gaps at the back. You could see it. But town just don't have a passer to pick people out in those gaps. They don't have people running into those gaps because they're confident in their sort of attacking plan. And they don't have a striker who gets himself central if you're going to create those chances. It's just, as I said, it's we all know what the problems are. And we've still got, what, another week or so before the windows open. And then they need to address these problems quickly. It's three games as well, isn't it? You've got two big mm. two big home games. Blackburn is, is becoming a huge game on, on Boxing Day because... I have to be honest, when walking away from the Preston game, my patience, we'll be honest, Dave, Dave, Dave knows my thoughts on Darren Moore. I made my thoughts clear on Darren Moore when we appointed him. I, th- I thought it was the wrong move. I, you know, but I didn't want to be one of those town fans with, you know, who who have an agenda and go, well, this is wrong. It should, everything's wrong. And every week just kind of hammer him because I didn't want him in the first place. I wanted Darren Moore to change my mind and, and be the guy that came in and, and, and steered the ship in the right direction. But everything that I feared just seems to be, I know the limitations of the squad, but there's a certain way to work within limitations and I just don't see it. And that was the problem. I still don't see um, Darren Moore working with a limited squad. And even after January, it's still going to be limited to a certain point. Even if we do sign two, three players, it's not still not going to be a top-class squad at this level. And I do worry that, 
And coming away from Preston, I just I just don't see anything that he's implemented so far. And I'm, it may just be me having a blindness. I don't know, but I just don't see any patterns developing. I don't see any forward way of playing. I just all I see is just Town being happy to keep a game nil nil for as long as possible, and then when they go one nil down, shit, you know everything everything just goes wrong. Uh, people panic, and and there's no sort of confidence that once we go one nil down, we can turn it back. I know we got the equaliser against against Millwall. That was great. Maybe a bit of fortune, but you know it all counts. A bit. But I just yeah. I just I just don't see. I just don't see it at the minute. I just I just don't see where Huddersfield Town are heading in terms of what they're wanting to do. I just I just don't get it at the minute. I just look at Huddersfield Town and my my overriding thought is I just don't get it. I don't I don't I don't get what Darren Moore brings. I don't understand what the club want to do. Um, I just understand that at the minute we have to grit our teeth and just take it at the minute until January and then you know cross our cross our fingers and, and hope for the best. But I know Dave goes on about those strikers, but I think we need more than one striker because Danny Ward, um, as it stands, you can't rely on someone who's constantly injured. You know, so we talk about Bergsog. Bergsog came as a left winger who, who cuts in. You know, that's probably where he's happier. You know, he's not really a striker. He's having to sort of play. He can play there. You know, he's not. You know, players these days are adaptable and flexible, aren't they? But, you know, he's probably happier coming in from the left-hand side, which, is, which appears to be his... his natural position coming in uh, and and maybe if you have someone like him on the left and um thomas on the right and a decent forward who can knit things together that's great but what i don't see either is like like dave's mentioned about this passing midfield i don't see anybody that can knit a play together from phase one you know from uh from the first third to the second third to the third to the third there's absolutely nobody that can do that under neil one at what they were doing when when those spaces dave mentioned happened they were just hoofing they were just kicking the ball high you know into into the pitch and then turning and then swarming around. It was very similar, Dave, during the while Bounsley played under Valerian Ishmael, wasn't it, with that 3-4-3? And basically all they did was just kick the ball long and then swarm around it, didn't they? That was pretty much what, what they did. And that's that's essentially what we did. And and for me, and the thing that slightly irks me a little bit is that that was quite successful for us, wasn't it? We stayed up, we did it, we stayed up, and and we still got a similar sort of playing stuff at the minute and I'm just sort of sit there and think well why don't we keep doing that rather than I don't understand what we're trying to do at the minute you know if we, if we don't have a passing midfielder kick it long and chase it you know we're not even doing that at the minute and it's just I just don't see what we're trying to do and apart from keep things tight and the thing is when during this game <clears throat> defensively we are making mistakes now and I don't think we were a bit since we're making a few more few more errors and maybe that's because Matty Pearson isn't there Matty Pearson's a, a big a big loss, isn't he? Um, the the and out wide, we 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 tend not to be able, brilliant at blocking crosses, do we? I mean, maybe Josh Rush, maybe Josh Ruffles makes a difference. You know, when he comes back, I'm not sure. Um, but we saw that saw today the second phase, wasn't it, Dave? Uh, Jerry from from the the corner today. The corner's coming. It's it's cleared out, and then and then the ball comes back in and i don't know whether it's Rodoni who's supposed to be marking McCallum, but he starts deeper doesn't it so he, he initially it comes in and he's more in the region with uh, with helic and, and what have you and then he just got sort of peels back round and and it, and i don't know if it's Rodoni who's supposed to be on him or whether it's a man marking system I don't, I don't know because i don't know what's going on when I'm, i don't understand what i'm watching sometimes when i watch it and <laughs> the ball comes back in and there's there's a free header and it's it's poor. I mean, we have to give credit to Maxwell for that save in the first half. It's a good save where he keeps out bounds, isn't it? That's a, a really good a good save from from Chris Maxwell, who again's coming for 
uh, Lee Nichols, who obviously wished Lee Nichols all the best, who's, who's out with concussion at the minute. Um, but yeah, it's just, I, I just feel really unhappy watching Huddersfield Town, and I don't really want to go watch them. <laughs> to be blunt. Uh, and I, might, I might not bother. They didn't them, change your mind yeah. today, Matt? That wasn't no, a uh, no. thrilling experience on your couch watching uh, that. No, the goal to me, it felt like the sort of thing where if you just sit back and try to just keep the game at nil-nil, you know, and it, it felt at halftime. I, I think you were right, Dave. They defended really well in the first half. I think, you know, it was one of those where – you know, that's the positive is that if they defend like that for another 45 minutes, then, you know, they can at least scrape a 0-0 draw here. But I don't know how many more of those first halves you would have needed for town to have scored once, much less like two, you know, twice and say, oh, well, we're going to get a win that way. Like six halves, seven halves, um, you know, there was just absolutely nothing going forward, like at all. Um, and the problem with playing that way is that if you get in one situation, like off of that corner where you've got, I think it was Bergsorg who's trying to, you know, close down the cross and that's not his strength. Like it's just, we're on a corner. It's a scramble situation. Um, and then somebody, you know, it, it's, you know, I, I think uh, Steven, I read his, um, you know, uh, ratings there on uh, We Are Terriers immediately after the match. It's great. Everybody subscribe. You know, I think he said it was Rodoni who he thought lost McCallum there. But that's a tricky run to to keep track of. Like, some credit, I think, is due, you know, for McCallum there in Norwich. It's a good ball in. Um, but at the same time, if you don't attack at all, eventually you're going to be in this sort of situation where, oops, like we've got Delano Bergsor trying to shut down a cross. Oops, we've got, you know, uh, Jack Rodoni trying to track this sort of, you know, run in the box on a second phase sort of thing. And bad things happen sometimes. Um, something in the very similar vein just happened for town in the previous game against Millwall where, you know, we just kind of thunk a shot into the box and, oh, the handball penalty fairy sprinkles some magic dust in town, you know, get a draw out of it. Um, those things happen when you don't move forward. When you don't score goals, you are at the mercy uh, in a lot of ways of things going wrong, just one mistake and you're down one to nothing. And it, it felt like game over. Like that was, I, I said after the match, the word I tweeted was fathering a mess. And that was the moment I was thinking of where, oh, they scored and that's it. Like there's, you know, no chance. <laughs> Town are going to score a goal and get anything out of this game on the road against a good team. Like, it's just, it felt like there's no hope of that happening. And that, you know, when you talk about Matt, it not being fun to watch Huddersfield, that's exactly, you know, again, I would agree because of that moment where it's just like the opposition scores once and it's just, you know, it just feels like, oh, well, that's it. It's over. There's no way. Um, and it didn't necessarily feel like that against Millwall because they're Millwall, Norwich. Norwich, excuse me, uh, are a much better team than that. It's just like, it's it's not happening. Um, and that's such an immensely frustrating way to feel. And when, you know, you see, uh, you know, everyone on Twitter afterwards with their more out graphics and angry tweets and everything, um, I, I am of the opinion that the reality of the transfer situation, the reality 
having listened uh, to the Mark Cartwright discussion uh, with Stephen this week, Moore's not going anywhere, I don't think. Uh, I would be shocked at this stage, uh, you know, before this run of uh, festive fixtures, all of them in a row, before the window where he's clearly very involved. Uh, it's not happening. But I get all of the frustration. I get all the anger. It's uh, it, it's not fun, Matt, like you said. I don't, I don't disagree with any of that. But the only thing I would say is that I'm kind of looking at it and I know what you're saying Matt, about like going back to a bit of Warnock ball, but that only worked in a very specific situation. And I think it only works against certain sides as well. And I think you have to be quite clever about it. And at the moment, town, they they don't really have the, the right personnel to execute that game plan. And the problem is if you set out to go at them, I think there is a danger against a side like Norwich that you just get picked off and then you've got, you, that's another game you've lost 4-0 and everybody is saying, oh, why didn't we go in there and shut up shop and get a point? I just think, I think at the moment we're more, and again, I'm not defending it, but we've been open on our podcast that neither me or Steve are completely convinced by Darren Moore, but at the same time, we are convinced that it's a huge decision to get rid of him because if you do, the oh, ne- you've got to get the next one right. You have uh, to get the next one right. You know that well, that good. the amount of managers you've been through, the pressure on that decision is huge. And he's going to be working with the same thing. And let's be honest as well. I think ninety nine percent of town fans that we survey are going to tell you that Neil Warnock is a better manager than Darren Moore. Neil Warnock's had a field town at the start of this season were awful and had all the same problems. I think they were better than this, though, Dave. I'll be honest, I do. Well, I, know they I mean, great, that Norwich game, that Norwich home game. game, I thought they were terrible at Plymouth. The two Middlesbrough games, I didn't think they were great at all. I think there's a win against Rotherham doing a hell of a lot of heavy lifting in that run, if I'm completely honest. I mean, I mean, I was at Plymouth, and I felt that we were we were the better side at one point against Plymouth um, in the second half, and then Ballymumba did his run and... And uh, and then it went to went to pop, but there were moments there where Radoni's Mister Sitter, Danny Ward's Mister Sitter. I mean, we're not even getting in the chance to be in games at the minute, or being with with the chance of winning games. And it's just it, it's just dour. And I understand why managers do it because they're trying to protect what we've got because we're not great. I know Fotheringham did the same thing last year, and it was a case of just trying to stay in the game until the last fifteen minutes, and then throw a chaos ball in and see what happens. But we're making mistakes prior to that, which means we're, we're out of the game. I mean, my main criticism of what, what Warnock was good at and what Darren Moore and Fotheringham before him weren't good at was that Warnock knew how to get the pressure off the players off the pitch and on the pitch better. I know it wasn't brilliant. I'm not going to say it and say we were like 2008 Barcelona because it wasn't. It wasn't great, but it was enough. Um, and, you know, I would I would revert back to more direct balls, even if it's up and under football, just to try and turn, you know, it's just to try and turn the opposition sometimes and win the throwing up the pitch. This is, you know, just little basic things and then just I, try and play the opposition half. But I'd only do it in January. The, I'd only do it until January and that's where the changes have to come in, in in January because you can't keep just playing nothing ball at the minute because we won't win any games. I mean, we've won two in 16 and I would argue that we shouldn't have won either of those games. Um, Sunderland was a very good defensive display, but Sunderland probably should have beaten us. And QPR, in I've no idea how they didn't equalise or, or 
do more in the last 20 minutes of that game. We, we, we're in a, a fortunate position whereby Sheffield Wednesday have lost a game today. Thank you, Cal and Grant. Love you lots <laughs> today. Not so much before today, but, you know, Cal and Grant's done us a solid. Southampton have beaten QPR and we're two points above that bottom three. And I'll be honest, Dave, when the injury, the injury, when we appointed Darren Moore and he got that injury curse that struck us, I thought we would be in the bottom three by this point. So I am actually quite pleased in a way that we're not, but by the same token, the performances that we're seeing are just, are just, they're just not good enough at the minute. And but I, I th- want just to go back to your point on Darren Moore as well. We, we're in such a precarious place because I'm sure Mark Cartwright has lined up transfers for January, and I, I would hazard a guess that a lot of them would depend on Darren Moore being in position as well. So you now, if you if you get rid of Darren Moore, these people who are going to come in in January are going to go. Well, what the hell am I coming into here? You know, it, it affects a lot more than just. Um, the immediate future and there's a lot and it's it's a difficult one because if you know Darren Moore's got some really good links hasn't he with Liverpool and one or two other places I think West Ham and where it, where we can get loans from and if he goes if you sack Darren Moore then that link goes as well and if you've lined up say I don't know Ben Doak or something from Liverpool then that goes and that that transfer gets pulled and then you're back to the drawing board and so I understand the difficult nature of it I'm just and, and it's just and I know the squad is poor um but there are one or two good players in the squad and those good players are just currently being dragged down. And I, I just feel like a lot of them are feeling that pressure at the minute. And what Warnock was good at is he was he was the master, wasn't he, of taking the pressure off and putting it all on him. Um, whereas at the minute, um, I mean, everyone looks like they've got the weight of the world on their shoulders again at the moment. And that's just, and maybe that's just the 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 youthful nature of of of, of the, those in, in charge at the moment. I don't know, because... I don't know. There's a lot. There's a lot here where we just kind of like going sigh, isn't it, Dave? And it's and nothing. Nothing will change until players are uh, in and out. It's just uh, we're, in, I, I, we're in this cycle look, of cycle of misery. <laughs> are we? I, I know. I know what you're saying. I listened to the Cartwright interview. I spoke with Steve about it. I think he was trying to show that they were going to back Darren Moore and that it was a huge part of the process. There's a reality here. Huddersfield Town players, they're going to sign players for Huddersfield Town, not for Darren Moore. They wouldn't sign players for Neil Warnock in the summer. They didn't go and sign players specifically for Carlos Corbran. They signed players who fitted within their remit and the club's remit. So I don't think, you know, if you got rid of Darren Moore tomorrow, I don't think it massively affects the transfer window if I'm honest because I think the you know, target I think it makes they... players think maybe twice if he if, if Moore is the selling point <sighs> that's what the point was really but I don't I don't think Darren Moore is I don't think there will be you know say they're going to bring four in right back winger striker passing midfielder Darren Moore may well be the sort of conduit for one of them possibly even two of them but it won't be for all four and they will have a list and they will have reserve targets. And if they haven't got Darren Moore, they've got to go out and get someone else. And you've got to get someone else and someone else has got links with somewhere else. Or So I, I don't know if it's that big a factor, but it's just Neil Warner was, let's be honest, the fact he was at the club really affected their summer transfer window on lots of levels. You know, some we can talk about, some we can't, but... It, it made it very, very difficult. They had to, one of the reasons I think I, I personally, my personal opinion is that they, they changed when they did is to try and get things lined up for January with some of those barriers removed. 
So I think the the problem I have with it all at the minute is that I don't disagree with you, Matt, but at the same time, I just think that if you played more open football, the fans would be even worse if you kept getting picked off and losing two or three nil. I think you haven't got the personnel to do what he wants to do, which is why we're struggling to to say what he wants to do at this point. I think if you're playing, if you're wanting to go back to sort of going long and then hunting the ball down, the problem is you have so little of the ball as is, you're just providing turnover opportunities again and again and again. So I, I don't know if I'd advocate for that either, if I'm honest. I just think at the moment, there's kind of only really one tune you can get from this bunch. And there may be other managers who could get a little bit more or could play it in a different way. There are a hell of a lot of managers who wouldn't even be getting this map. That's the other side of the coin here that we have to think about. And I just think until we get to February, (laughs) well, but it's true, you know, it's for what, for or for everything fans think about Darren Moore, there are managers who would not be doing what he's doing with them. And I just think that it's, it's such a precarious is the word, Matt, you use the right word, really. Um, It is precarious because if you get rid of the manager, does that sort any of the actual problems? I don't really think it does. I think, once you've plugged the holes in that squad and you've got you've got a first team that looks a lot stronger on paper, if you're still not getting results, then you go, okay, right, the problem is in the dugout. But at the moment, all the problems come from the lack of personnel. They they desperately need, I would say, at least one wing back to play one side or the other, but there is sort of an established wing back who can defend just as well as they can attack and doesn't need constant cover all the time so that you can tactically do things different with that role. They desperately need, as you, as you pointed out, and I've said it a million times, they definitely need that passing midfielder who can spot the angles, spot the spaces, Carol Lighting, Aaron Moy, you know, there's there's no analogue for that in the squad whatsoever. There's no one who can do that, and that's a huge miss. They desperately need that strike. We've already talked about it. I still think they need that winger. Whether I think the winger might possibly be like sort of fourth on the list of priorities, but I just think Sorba Thomas is expected to do so much. Bear in mind, over on the left, you don't play with a winger. If you play Bergsorg there, he's going to cut inside. If you play Josh Caroma, he's going to cut inside. So... You've got I don't Headley know. You can go on the outside there, haven't you? So you've got a bit but, of a. I mean, Headley, block. Headley to is, me is an issue at the moment because I think for his all his promise, goals, uh... yeah, for all his promise and all the things he does well, there are other things that he's really he just needs game time. He needs time on the pitch. You know, he needs just needs to click click the games up so you've got the experience to read situations. But at a moment, Huddersfield Town aren't really in a great place to have players on the pitch who need yeah, I was gonna say that. minutes in their boots yeah. to sort of get that experience. It's just, it is it is a difficult situation for everyone at the minute. You need to, uh, if you've got young players who are currently struggling and they need to, need to for want of a better analogy, they need a, need a pair of armbands on for a little bit. You need the players around them to be able to carry them through a little bit as well. And we don't have that either. I think there's only... Jonathan Hogg, who's playing relatively well in that sort of middle area at the minute, who's organising and, and, and getting everything around. And to be honest, we've we've needed a 
a hog set a hog sesser, the great hog sesser, we we'll call it. You know, that we needed a hog replacement for quite a while, haven't we? It, not necessarily just to bump him out of the team, but that role itself needs a needs a younger pair of legs in there as well to assist and because Jonathan Hogg can't play three games in a week, can he? It, it just you know, not with his sort of injury record as well. He's probably he's probably playing through quite. I would imagine playing through quite a lot of pain because he's had long-standing thigh and hip issues, hasn't he? So you know, we need to be fair on uh, on the Hogmaster, shall we say? Uh, shall we read some comments out? We're doing this live, so let's let's read. Um, let's have a look. So Bernard Lazuski is all over at the minute. He is uh, not in. Uh, I don't think Darren Mars is his mate at the minute. So um, let's have a look. So Oliver Barnes. Um, Says every game, it feels like we're a national league side who've got a big FA Cup tie, no ambition, and just want just waiting to concede. Feels like everything has to go perfect for us to get anything. I mean, I do feel that the the last um, the last bit especially. Mm. Um, I don't disagree with that at the minute. I I don't no. at all. And it says, dreading to see how they have empty or how empty the stadium will be on Boxing Day. Can't blame people either. It is dreadful. Um, Simon Bray says, I'm still waiting for this switch to be turned on. I wonder if it needs wiring up first. If you know a good electrician, Simon, let us know. Um, and Bernard says, Darren Moore's not improved one player in the squad. I disagree with that. I think Sarba Thomas has played mm. quite well under um, under Darren Moore. I would as well. And I th- I think um, we, we've seen a different side to Josh Caroma as well. I think defensively he's been a lot better. The problem is he can't balance it at the moment. So I don't necessarily yeah, agree all the way with that. Uh, Damo says everyone blames Moore's tactics etc but generally I don't see anyone else doing any better with the players we have available especially in attacking positions we just have to accept where we are damn these people and their uh, level views that's not what I was expecting <laughs> so um, I mean this is, I, I feel like this is the million dollar question like so it, every Damo. fan is asking themselves is, like would somebody else be doing better is the run of results they had under Warnock, you know, um, is that replicable by anybody other than Neil Warnock, right? Like, is it just the confluence of Neil Warnock and that run of games and the situation they were in, you know, and Dave's absolutely right that the beginning of this season was not as impressive as the end of last season at the same time. He had two wins from eight. Moore has two from 16. Um, and I'm with Matt. The difference to me, you know, we talk a lot about, you know, uh, the tactics between Warnock and Moore to me aren't sort of the focal point. I, this is extremely sort of feelings ball here, but it felt to me like Town had more belief in themselves on like an individual level uh, under Warnock than I feel like they do under Moore, where when Town turned the opposition over, got on the ball under Warnick. It felt like there was, you know, Matt, you're mentioning, uh, you know, sort of trying to play it forward very quickly, and they did that. But it wasn't always like a blind hoof up the field. Like I'm thinking about, I think it was the equalizer they scored at Watford late last season where, you know, there was a string of passes in the midfield where, you know, Rudoni's playing uh, these one-twos, and, you know, eventually they work it into the box and Rudoni scores. That sort of play to me is what's missing right now is where town get on the ball and they counter quickly, but not just with some huge, you know, ball over the top, but with sort of confidence in having the ball at their feet where they, you know, it's just more of this confidence is the word I keep coming back to. And Headley to me is 
you know, we talk about players who have improved or not improved under more. Headley looked a very useful, uh, you know, good player, I thought, under Warnock. Uh, you know, we all remember the goal against Birmingham City, but not just that. Like, in general, I thought Headley looked a very different player under Neil Warnock than he did today, certainly, but I think than he has generally under Darren Moore. Um, just he had more belief when he got forward. Uh, even under Moore, he has helped create a couple of goals recently. I forget, you know, um, you know, the goal against Swansea, I think, kind of came down to Headley getting forward. But we saw those sorts of runs, that sort of confidence and belief, I felt like, more under Warnick than we've seen under Moore. And I, it, to me, it doesn't feel like a huge tactical shift between the two. I, Warnick definitely wanted his team to play back and play on the counter, much in the same way that Moore is asking his team to sit back and play on the counter. Um, you know, definitely a little bit more possession, I think, under Moore. But that counter felt like, to me, it had so much more belief under Warnock. I, you know, so that's my question is, if we replace Moore, are we going to get another near Warnock? Or is there simply not another person who could have gotten those results? Or maybe even Warnock couldn't have gotten those results under the squad we have. Now, I, I think that's, you know, I don't know. Um, I know that the results we have right now are not good enough. That's what I do know. Yeah, I think Dave's right. I think you could do better and you could do worse. I mean, I've seen people shout for Tony Mowbray, but Tony Mowbray plays a very specific passing style of football. And if he tries Mm. that with that squad, it's going to go... Absolutely absolutely no chance. The uh, the other thing is, I think Jerry's made some good points there. I think, to repeat something I said on the other podcast... And it was clipped out for Twitter. So sorry, a few people will have heard me say this before. But I think you have to remember, Neil Warnock got those players to play like that and play well for five weeks. They've played well for five weeks out of 18 months. And I'll be honest with you, that suggests to me the problem isn't in the dugout. Because it's all right saying, well, only Warnock could do that. And you're probably right, only Warnock could do that. But even he struggled up to a point, then got them going, and then has struggled at the start of this season. It just doesn't suggest to me that the problem is in the dugout. It suggests that it's on the pitch, and it's. I think it's. Let's let's be honest. It's it's the recruitment policy over the last two years has has put the squad into this position, and I think I still come back to the same place. I'm I'm not. I'm not as sort of down on Darren Moore as other people. I'm not as high on him as people think I am because if you defend him in any way, a lot of town fans think you're you're desperate for him to stay. And it, me and Steve, I can tell you, are very sort of undecided. But yeah, there there is a world where it tumbles off a cliff and it could get even worse. So you you kind of, I think until we see him with some decent personnel and some of those holes plugged, it's really, really start. difficult to judge. You're going to start seeing Kylie Minogue in a minute, aren't you? With the better the, better the devil you know, aren't you? Um, which might actually be the right might actually be the right thing. I mean, I I just didn't think Darren Moore was right in the same way that I don't think Tony Mowbray was right. And I just haven't seen anything to suggest otherwise. But, I mean, we're at this stage now whereby if you do twist again, I mean, who do you get? Because people are going to start saying Steve Cooper. And Steve Cooper's not coming to Huddersfield Town no chance. Week. I can guarantee you I, that. I, I, I'm not sure they'd get Tony Mowbray, never mind Steve Cooper, with, with things they currently are. Managers aren't stupid, and they will be looking around going, six managers in 18 months. 
mm, do I really fancy that? No, there'll always be people who do, but are they the people that you want? Are they the quality <laughs> that you want? You know, that's that's the thing. It's like John Eustace. People keep saying, oh, you know, Eustace would come in and what have you. I don't know if he'd take it, it or while not. To get going somewhere with him, didn't he? I remember him took, it took quite a while to get going. At, and again, uh, he plays the style of football that, you would need you would need more than just those four players, I think, to plug the holes in the first team to really get going. And is he the man for like what could be quite a long, quite a difficult relegation fight? Again, you need someone with a certain character for that fight as well. I don't know. This is why it's so. Uh, I mean, you could throw Gary Rowett's name in. You could throw Gary Rowett's name in for something could, like that. But you could, Gary Rowett, you could Gary throw Rowett it in, football. but I'm going to throw it straight back at you. Matt. <laughs> but Gary Rowett's football <laughs> would absolutely kill the rest of us off. I think. I think that'll be, um, yeah. But so I think at the minute I can see them. Still. Let's let's go through what people are saying still. So uh, Simon Bray says, "I feel there could be a cricket score when we go to Man." Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Cozzy, what, what's your favourite away day? Matt, it's got to be the city ground at Nottingham. Just old school stadium. You're right near the pitch. Great atmosphere. But there's nothing like playing at home. Same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Sitting there for a couple, that will make the situation even worse. Uh, Ponty Terrier says, apart from Helic Yutta and Bergzog and maybe Redoni, not any other player's championship quality. I'm sure Lee Nichols is championship quality. Um, who else have we got? Rapunzel, let down your hair. He says, Michael Heffler. Hear me out. He has all his badges now with the squad this bad. You need a motivator. Yeah, I'm not sure that's the... It's it's about timing, isn't it, football, Dave? And I don't think timing is right right now for that. Huddersfield Town have had some some success with first-time managers, but they've also had some... Listen in recent history. So <laughs> let's let's try and get someone with a bit of championship experience, I think, this time. Although then Pontiterry uh, does say, uh, the squad is so poor technically, it's unbelievable. Every other team we play looks so far ahead in terms of quality. Uh and then let's let's scroll down. We've got Graham Kinder says Melbourne from Melbourne, lads. Melbourne, Melbourne. Go on, Jerry, you say it because I've just butchered it, so we might as well it's Melbourne, right? It's just Melbourne. Yeah, Jerry's Jerry's right? building. Uh, Ponticeri <laughs> says the photographer still in the team after all these years is a disgrace awful player and it's never his fault with the finger point oh I don't know if I agree with that um, <laughs> I think Graham, Graham from Melbourne says I woke up check the score another poor result not surprising should never have got rid of Warnock until more points were on the board I mean that's another thing we've done to death as well isn't it the timing of that um, here's a question Jack himself says how many points are we expected from these next three games I think we need to beat Blackburn I really do, because I think Middlesbrough is very tough. And Leicester, you might... Oh, I mean, Leicester, we're not going to beat Leicester, are we? With with all the 
greatest positivity in the world that we're playing against the probably the best championship team in the last 25 years there it's uh, it's going to be a difficult one. sorry dave i know brighton were quite decent when they went up but i think you know. you're you're also ignoring <laughs> another big candidate quite deliberately as is your right no i think no i think this Leicester team is oh no do you know what? the wolves team that went up in 17 18 they were they were decent not going to say it is he no i thought they were overrated but anyway i think to be fair, <laughs> i think i think the team they've got now is better than the team that went up there's there's one for you dave um three points I th- I expect against Leicester, Middlesbrough, and Blackburn, and I don't think it really matters how many how it happens. But I would imagine a win would feel better than three draws with the way that it's going at the minute. I would guess, but I think we've got to beat Blackburn. In all honesty, I think if we don't beat Blackburn and we drop into the bottom three, I think by the time Kevin Nagel gets here in January, I think that there'll be people stood in the runway. What are they ready for? Ready with them? <laughs> <laughs> ready for him? But um. Bless him. Not that I uh, think that's a good idea or anything, but yeah, go on, Dave, Jerry. What do you reckon? Are the next three? I, I I think you're right. I I think a win from one of those two home games is a must. Um, I don't think it, it's just. Uh, it also depends on the performances, right? Like you know, if they come out against um, Blackburn and they play the way they did against Ipswich way back when, this is 15 games ago now, they play the way they did in the second half against Southampton where they actually, you know, had some possession, put some extended pressure on the opposing goal mouth, um, you know, and, um, you know, Blackburn nick a goal the other way. You know, that's one thing. If it's more of what we've seen over these last several matches, and that's the thing, it's not just the results under Moore. It's that time and again we get these games uh, where – you know, town feel fortunate to scrape. We, we, as you point out, Matt, we've had two wins in 16 under Moore, and neither one of them actually felt like inspiring. Like I was glad, really glad for the Sunderland one. I thought they defended really well. I thought they were better value than I think you did for that one, David. But it still wasn't like, a, oh, they went out in the second half, Boston on the road, you know, deservedly scored one and, you know, took home all three points. They had kind of a pot shot from Bergsorg that came out of nothing, and then they held on. Um, you know, the draw against Millwall. Millwall's not a good team. That's the worst I've seen them in years. They're down there, you know, the very next team above town in the table uh, and without a very fortunate bounce. That is a loss. They The Bristol City game at home, they didn't look like scoring at all after Bristol had equalized. It's not just the results. It's that these performances are terrible. They're so poor. Um, so, you know, that to me has to improve even maybe before we start talking about how many points we're going to get from these three games. Like, give us something to feel enthusiastic about. Even if it's just a draw, can it be a draw where they deserve the point and they look good for 45 minutes and actually attack with some coherence and show some of that belief I talked about? Before the points, that's what I'm focused on over these next three games. Yeah, we've talked about it on on the We Are Terriers pod. There's a way to lose, and Town don't often lose well. That's that's the problem. And I think in terms of points, I think they they do need to win one of the two home games. But whether they will or not, I don't know. What they can't do is lose both. That's that for me is is the thing. They can't lose both because if they lose both, I do think they will be in the bottom three. And I do think the pressure then will be absolutely 
huge on on more on everyone really and i completely understand the thing where the fans are sort of disenchanted with it and disenfranchised when i'm at the moment so you definitely want something to cling to but you have to remember that i think it's also town have got a very thin squad with not great quality and it's the time of the year where the games just keep coming Mm-hmm. You know, I'm putting caveats in place to say that there is a there is a world where they get nothing. You know, they get absolutely nothing. I hope they don't. I hope they pull something from somewhere. But yeah, it it looks it sure looks difficult. That, Dave. I'm not sure. No, I that. I'm not either. I'm not at all. That's that's what I'm saying. I think that the pressure would just become too great. I think if you lose those three, and you're in the bottom three. You know, I think the pressure is too gay at that point, but it wouldn't surprise me if they got one point out of the next nine. It it wouldn't at Leicester. <laughs> the thing is with Town is, yeah, well, this is it. Every time that's what I was going to say. Every time you kind of think, well, on paper, you know exactly what's going to happen. They go and do something out of the blue that just completely rips that bit of paper up, and. We'll see. We'll see. I think Blackburn are, are eminently beatable on their day at the minute. They're great at certain things, not very good at others. So I think it's a flip of a coin. I think Borough are a good side, but Town have got some decent recent history against them. And again, they do have off days. They do have off days. Leicester, it's not going to happen. Let, you know, Town... <laughs> People, somebody said to me the other day, said, Oh, well, yeah, but we were played really, really well against them early in the season. It's like, Yeah, but that was, that was a like perfect time to play them, wasn't two it? Two games in, they yeah, weren't perfect. in their patterns, they weren't in their style. You watch them now, and they are defensively, they, they are, they do give you a chance defensively. But the problem is, they're not too bothered because they'll, they will go and score two, three, four. You know, they're not, they're not bothered. So, yeah, I, I think that's one you just have to write off. But I would say there's probably, what, 18 clubs in that division are writing that fixture off. So it's what imagine, it is. Imagine just being able to go out and score three or four goals at the drop of a hat, Dave. Those 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 must be must be some good times, I'll be honest. I don't really remember Huddersfield Town team being able to do well. I think the, uh, the, the the League One team that got promoted in the end used to do used to go hand some wallopins out. That was fun for a while. But there's a there's a good uh, good comment from Sean O'Toole says at at times more at this early stage he's looking out of his depth. I do feel sorry for him. and I'm not sure who could do a better job with his squad. However, we can't keep sacking managers. Like you say, Dave, sacking managers isn't always the silver bullet that people think it is, is it? But um, it's not. Not that Darabar's a werewolf or anything or anything like that. But <laughs> there's a. Uh, I mean, Graham says, can we bring? Any quality players in? Uh, are we under financial const- uh, restraints? Sorry, from the league. Um, I think they they they, were, they had the financial forecasting issue, but I think they were going to they're apply right. to push that out, weren't they? And I think that, yeah, really they're all right. They uh, they've still got money in the budget from that wasn't spent in the summer for various reasons. So they, as far as I know, and everything's pointing towards they know the job they've got to do in January. And they know they know the barriers to it, but it still has to be done. So, yeah, I I think we spoke a little bit on it on the pod this week that I just that the, they can't get it wrong is the thing of those four signings. If they go and get four signings for the first team, three of them have to work, have to work. 
I think they need four signings for the team. I think two of them have to be absolutely magic, and I still think they need a couple of options on the bench as well. To be honest, mate, I think the squad's that. I, d- I don't disagree, then, but I yeah, think the problem a lot is to do, isn't it? In in one month, yeah, you've yeah. got you've got to look at the 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 reason it feels so daunting is because it's very rare that you look and you think, okay, well, we have to actually recruit for the first team here, because a lot of your stuff, a lot of your recruitment is squad building. You know, you're you're building that player who you want to come in and become a vital clog in the first team, but not necessarily from the off. Whereas Town have got to recruit for the first team right now. There's no time when they're... We've talked about Headley needing time and needing game time. You know, it's... Yeah, it's difficult. It's difficult. Chris Watson says, uh, Moore just sounds very uninspiring. He uses the same language, such as energized, etc. Same repeated words like fothering him, which makes me think, how can he inspire players? Um, he uses part and partial a lot, which which gets under my skin a little bit. Um, <laughs> I know someone who's worked with Darren Moore at West Brom and did uh, a lot of analysis with him. And he says, Darren Moore in the media is 100% different to Darren Moore in person. He says, Darren Moore is an incredibly inspirational figure when you speak to him and he, he makes you, he's, he's one of these people that makes you feel 10 feet tall but the way he approaches the media is very much I don't want to give anything away that somebody listening mm. may get any information from so unfortunately when you listen to a Darren Moore interview it's just shite basically and, it, and it's and it's shite by design because Darren Moore is pretty much not going to tell you anything because he doesn't want to tell anyone else anything and it's rubbish for fans because they like to know the ins and outs but Darren Moore just does not want to give anything away but apparently, in person, Darren Moore is incredibly, uh, incredibly good at lifting people and inspiring people. But as uh, the problem as a fan is, you've only got that small window to look through, haven't you? And the window you look through is the press conference. It's uh, little things like that, and and how you see him on the pitch. And correct, he doesn't look inspiring at all. But I'm led to believe that that's not the case. And behind the scenes, he is actually a really great guy and, and very inspiring. And and it's things like that which that we like to cling on to, isn't it, Dave? But I, I've heard really good things behind the scenes. I wouldn't say from Huddersfield, because I've not heard anything from anyone at Huddersfield uh, about Darren Moore, but from, from West Brom and Sheffield Wednesday, I heard quite a lot of good things behind the scenes. And, and uh, you know, and he's, he's, he's throwing right. himself into some of the community stuff as well. So there's, there's, there's a good bloke there, but we just don't, probably haven't seen the real Darren Moore yet, I would imagine. Uh, to be fair, do anybody's, Post-match interviews are going to seem tame and milk toast following near Warnock, right? Like, yeah. I, I don't think that comparison is doing uh, more any favors. I think if we go back, you know, Carlos Corboran, I don't really remember, you know, his media comments being particularly insightful or incisive or charismatic. Um, you I know, mean, if, if I, I, asked Carlos anything technical or tactical, it'd be really interesting because he will break everything down. Really, but if you talk to him on a normal level, Carlos was was, was a little bit dull, wasn't he? But um, Fotheringham was was good value, you know. But he just wasn't very good. You know, some of the stuff he'd come out with, you know, but um, it just wasn't wasn't great. Anyways, just following Warnock is a tough act when it comes to uh, you know comments to the media. Just any anybody is going to look uh, a little bit less exciting from that lens, I think. I think so. Uh, yeah, and Sean also says it's a it's a hugely precarious position to be in weak squad. What looks like a weak manager, fans clinging onto a good January transfer window. Historically, it's slim pickings, utter limbo. I mean, the, there's one thing that fixes the that fixes your issues in January window, Dave, isn't it? And that's having a lot of money. Um, I'm not sure that's uh, that's the case, is it? Unfortunately, but 
we don't we don't really know what's available, do we? In terms of, and we and I guess we don't really know what Kevin Nagel and Co. Class backing the manager with financially because we've got no history there either, have we? So we, we just sort of nobody knows. Nobody really knows what to expect. There's a lot of hope. There's a lot of balls in the air. You know, maybe we should keep them in the pants. But you know, there's everything's sort of up in the air, isn't it, at the minute? And it's uh, mm-hmm. we just we just sat here wishing that. Darren Moore's the right guy. I mean, I've done a poll um, on the YouTube channel and uh, I said, are you Darren Moore in or out? And 87% of people say Darren Moore out. And to be honest, I'm probably with them. But I just, I'm the same. I'm just not sure. Apart from that immediate, yes, he's gone. That People will probably go, yes, he's gone. But I'm looking after that and I'm thinking, well, what comes after it? Because I'm not sure. Like I'm with you, I'm not sure it's any better. Um, because I know that Steve Cooper's not coming. I know that you know Tony mm-hmm. Mowbray is not not going to start being able to perform miracles with that squad. Hackingbottom, um, I mean, he's, he's like Darren Moore, isn't he? You know, you know so same sort of style and just I don't know. I just don't know what I don't know who who will come. And I mean, someone could throw a really exciting name at me who would come to Huddersfield Town, and maybe that would change my mind. But at the minute, I'm just like, well, if you if you twist, then. What we're twisting for, because um, that's what mm. I would like to know, and that's that's the difficult stage we're in. Because, I mean, because it's a new regime as well. We don't. I mean, Dean Hoyle was quite easy to read. You know, if he sacked a manager, you would kind of half know who he would go and get, wouldn't you, Dave? You know, you'd be able to kind of like half work it out, wouldn't you, straight away? And so you'd you'd, you'd know whether. It, whereas now we're like we've got absolutely no idea whatsoever. I mean. I think Mark Cartwright's technically at the wheel, so to speak, isn't he, for, for things like that at the moment. And I've got no idea what he would do. Um, I know what I would do, but I've got absolutely no idea what Mark Cartwright would do. And it's just, it's just limbo, I think, is, is the perfect way to uh, describe that, Sean, at the minute. And we're like I say, we're all just sat there grasping at the, the thought of a good January transfer window. And, and, and to, to do these podcasts as well after a game is difficult. I know Dave's a lot more level-headed because he's a, He's a Brighton fan, aren't he? Although he protests a little bit too much about this, this you know, neutral, uh, investor neutral. I think I've, I've seen him jump and cheer a few times when Town have scored. And I believe his daughter is a Town fan as well. So it's definitely seeping into the hard trick genes. But, mm. you know, when it's raw after a game, it's quite difficult to maintain that level headedness sometimes. And, and, and to be honest, that's football, isn't it? We're all here for the passion and the kind yeah. of it, aren't we? So, you know, we get it. Um, of course we are. Well, of course we are, but it, we're it's talking hour here, Dave. We, we, th- we didn't think we'd be able to fill twenty minutes, did we? And we've we sat here and <laughs> absolute shite for an hour. It's been a good this. <laughs> I, I just, I think, I, I still come back to the same thing though. At the moment, there's a lot of people who will tell you, Cartwright needs to go, Edwards needs to go, Moore needs to go, everything needs to start again. I, th- I think, the issue was when they took Neil Warnock on. Kind of Neil Warnock was in charge. You know, like these, you had people in the positions that couldn't really do their job with Neil Warnock as manager. And that goes for recruitment for other things as well. So I'm always, I've said this on Brady's pod, I'm slightly wary of those people because there's absolutely no evidence. I On February the 2nd, we will have evidence. We can say, okay, that wasn't good enough. You know, Cartwright needs to go or that was fantastic it suddenly feels like the club's in safe hands going forward. I just don't know now. You know, as an analyst, you can only analyse what's 
what you've got evidence for and there's no evidence either way and that's why at the moment i think a lot of people are a lot of people are tuning off because the football's bad there's too many unknowns it's a very precarious situation you can make arguments both ways I, I still think a lot of people know there are issues with the squad and you could get a bit more, but it's easier to sack a manager than it is to sack 16 players. So, you know, we all know what happens in football. But, yeah, I just... I, I think at the moment it's just a pretty sorry state of affairs that, like, there's no easy way out of. There's nothing you could do tomorrow that really makes a blind bit of difference. Dave's, Dave's so, just like naming songs now. You know, it's, it's like, do you remember, was it France 98 where they were all trying to get as many, um, I think I remember Gareth Southgate saying, oh, there's nothing coming out of you lot. And he's like, yeah, there'll be no careless whispers today. They were trying to get song names in. I've, I've got Into the Unknown from Frozen. <laughs> Daniel Bedingfield's got to get through this. It's all all coming through from Dave's collection at the minute, but it's, it's somebody, right. I, somebody, somebody once said I look like Daniel Bedingfield and it really annoyed me. As much as when I sent you that 1990s wrestler the other day that I thought you looked a bit like. That, yeah, I'm that, not having that at all. <laughs> <laughs> that got him a little bit, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, one of the ones. So Chris Watson says, any rumours for players? Yeah, it's been very quiet, hasn't it, for rumours? It used to, be, used to get quite a few, but he said he'd like Johnson, Clark, Harris. I mean... <sighs> I, I think, but the thing yeah. is, like today, they had absolutely no presence up front whatsoever Clark Harris at least gives you some presence but it, it's the finishing that you worry about I will I will say I've heard one or two things that I've not you know I've not, I've not shored up I've not spoke to anyone at the club right I do think that they are working I do think they're very busy you know I don't think this is a case of they're gonna have a meeting on January the 2nd and go right who are we after <laughs> then I I they are. I believe they are busy, and I think you got you from Cartwright's interview. It was very clear that they are. They know the task ahead, and they are well aware that they need to uh, to get on with it. I think. It, I think. I don't know if you clocked it. I'm sure you you got it, Jerry. But the uh, the lines about looking abroad that mm -hmm. suggests to me they've got a couple of of targets. Maybe not lined up, but certainly that they're chasing because. If you've got someone from abroad, you can't sort that in a day. <laughs> you know that yeah. is something that takes time and and takes a takes a lot of scouting. B then there's you know legal issues that you have to look. Can we physically get this player here for with all the work permit conditions and everything else? Then it's a case of talking to the club. Then it's a case of talking to the player to see if they actually want to switch countries. That to me suggests. Positive things. Been done. Yeah. I, I had heard that Mr. Cartwright had been out of the country. Um, where I'm, I'm not sure, but um, it was I'd heard he'd been into Europe somewhere. So who knows? Europe's a big place, a lot of countries in Europe. So, um, but yeah, the the, the rules there are a bit strange. They've, they've sort of slackened the rules a little bit, haven't they, Dave? Because mm. I think it was 15 I've points needed, wasn't it? Um, well, yeah, it was, yeah. it was nicely created by the top six for their own self preservation, wasn't it? Mm. These uh, these rules. Um, and the GBE points you needed 15, so I think you technically had to play in um, a top, you know, top elite league and a cup and a cup, you know, a league and a cup game at least uh, to get so many points. And then there's other little bits. And if you're an international, you got bits more. I don't think Delano Bergsog hits 15 points, does he? So there's a new rule that's coming as well, whereby you can have 
I think it's four players, isn't it, that don't hit the GBE thing. As long as you give so many minutes to English players, it's it's quite technical, isn't it? So, so there are there are other little um, bits and pieces. But Town do have some, shall we say, wiggle room on on foreign players. So I think they can bring in another three potentially um, under that under that format. Or if they do if they do pass for the GBE visa, then whatever. Um, so, but there are three that they can get that one pass. I believe at the minute. So, um, so as for rumors, it's not, it's not quite the same now. The regime's changed. You used to get loads of rumors before. Now it's now it's quiet, isn't it? It's, uh, mm. Yeah. So um, well, there's not a lot. I, I like that. Like I don't want there to be a lot of leaks out of the you know uh, the back rooms where you know oh we're looking at this player and this player and this player. It seems more professional just to go about what you're doing and do it and get it done. And I, you know, I liked the Cartwright interview. I thought he came across the sort of person who was organized and has a plan and knows what they're doing. And I think it's still very much, you know, TBD to see how well that plan works, but you know, I, I like that there does appear to be a plan. I, I would say that that's, been the case for the entire Nagel tenure is that they've made decisions. They've, you know, said, okay, here's what we're going to do. There is a plan in place. It's just that unfortunately not all of those decisions have worked out. Ben Wiles, we've talked about, you know, why did town not have, you know, this passing central midfielder, you know, uh, I think there was probably some hope that Ben Wiles could provide some of, at least some of that, you know, if not be Aaron Moy, then at least, you know, um, He's more not of a be box, box type, though, isn't it? Ben yeah, Wiles. you know, but maybe not be not getting off the bench, um, you know, against Norwich here in late December. Uh, you know, so not everything has worked out, but I do appreciate the feeling of organizationness. That's not a word uh, that I get from Nagel and Cartwright. It feels like things are being run on a particular rail system. Now we just have to see where they go, basically. Yeah, it's, 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 it's grin and bear it, isn't it, Dave? It's just grin and bear it until the end of January, and then we'll have a good idea um, about where to go. I mean, Ben Wiles, that's that's one thing. I think Town need to avoid buying players that are just coming back from long-term injuries as well, because those, those tend not to be people that hit the ground running too quickly. I think that might be fair to say. I don't want to be too harsh for Ben Wiles, but I know he's had a long-standing ankle problem hasn't he and i think he's had a few he's had i think once you have a long-standing problem you, you tend to get other splinter injuries from it you know some of the muscles around the around yeah. your ankle or whatever we can I, I had an ankle injury when i was 18 and my shins are absolutely goosed and calves uh, and that's not what was injured not that i ever played at the same level as ben wiles but um so you know uh, so town that's another thing that town need to do but you know january is a difficult window and uh it's a difficult podcast to do as well um we do have one piece of good news, though. So usually we like to do some form of Christmas special on the podcast, you know, give you guys something extra in your stocking, shall we say. And uh, this year, I couldn't be bothered doing a video. I'll be honest, one of the like the feed the ward thing, I, I just couldn't be bothered. And the Mike Fothering with the cards from Love Actually, that it just didn't get enough traction last year, so I couldn't be bothered. Um, but we have just done... Uh, a two and a half hour interview with a man who was in the dugout today. Uh, no, it wasn't Darren Moore. It was Paul Clements, uh, ex-townkeeper. So we'll be looking to release that into the wild. Me and Brady did that and we'll be looking to release that into the wild. Uh, maybe tomorrow night, Christmas Eve night, Christmas Day, somewhere around there. And uh, 
we'll do some clips and we'll milk it for all it's worth because that's all you're getting until uh, until I can be bothered to do another one. So <laughs> there we go. Uh, but no, Clem was good value, so I think that'll be um, of interest for people to listen to. Um, good guy, Clem, so um, that would be good. Um, I think the last thing we'll give it to Jay. Jay's snuck in at the end here. He's put, I like more, but I'd rather have a manager coach. I don't like producing football. I actually want to. I don't like producing football. I actually want to watch. Taking my daughter versus Blackburn and not expecting anything other more the same. I mean, talk about the Blackburn game, Dave. Town are really strange out there against passing football teams, teams that pass it out from the back. I mean, at one point, we were hopeless against them, but then all of a sudden, the Ipswich game and Darren Moore really found something, didn't he, at that level? The high press with Bergsorg and Karoma really seemed to work against them, so I'm not as frightened to play against these um, teams that pass out from the back as maybe I was about six months ago. Um, I think we've we've got the players that can disrupt that. Um, Blackburn are decent, make no bones about it. You know, if, if you let them play, they're pretty decent. But I think that I do genuinely think it's a game we can win. And I, I really hope for Darren Moore's sake, he does, he does get the win that we need because it's just boring sitting here a week going, shall we sack him? Shall we not sack him? It's just, it just feels... It's just not the nice, nice podcast to do, either, Dave. Let's be honest; they're, they're just not fun, are they? You, you want, essentially, you want your football club to be building and moving in the right direction. And when it's when you're constantly having to tear things down because it's not right, it's it's just such a a boring thing to witness. And hopefully, we can start moving forward in January. And we're just clinging, just clutching, just clutching, Jerry. That's all we're doing. So um, I've got nothing left to to really go into on this uh, on this one, um, Jerry, Dave. Anything else that you you think from? From the game, I mean, we had a shot on target. We didn't discuss in the 90th minute. Town's first shot on target came. In the- <laughs> <laughs> didn't even discuss that. Did anyway. it, uh, we, we asked about uh, XG. The, the XG number I saw was 0.15, 0.15 exclusively. You know, almost exclusively off of uh, Bergsor's shot at the near yeah. post there. Before then, it was 0.08. We've had some stinkers, haven't we? With and to be honest, there's lots of Huddersfield fans so annoyed at the minute, and I see them all coming up in the comments. I've seen them all. Don't worry, I've, I might not have read them all out, but and and we we completely agree with it. It's, it is monotonous at the minute, but it's not just it's not a new thing. Let's be honest; it's been crap since we were relegated from the Premier League, mm-hmm. apart from that one outlier. And that one outlier of a season is starting to look more and more like a fluke, and it being down to a really, really good technical head coach that just got us on a run and then and kept us on a run. And I mean, to be honest, Dave, that run could have ended with one or two key injuries at certain points, couldn't it? It could, it could have all come come, to, but it didn't. It didn't and, and now it has. Uh, but yeah, so Huddersfield Town need to start building. We need a master builder, Dave, is what we need. Is Cartwright the man? Is Darren Moore the man? We'll find out in January. Well, that, that's exactly it. You know, that, that it, it is getting a bit boring and it is getting a bit frustrating trying to find new things to say because there, there really isn't at the moment. And as I said, Steve, if you are subscribed to We Are Terriers, you'll have seen lots of Steve stuff where he is exactly where I am with it really, which is that there's still no evidence that, that Darren Moore is the man to take town forward for the next three years. But there also kind of isn't a stack of evidence that you can't sort of you can't pull down when you actually start going into it and looking at context that he isn't either. So we just don't, we just don't know. And I think not knowing in football is horrible because not knowing kind of creates, you want to feel something about your club and in a weird way, feel hatred at the minute, Dave. (laughs) Well, (laughs) you you say that I talk a lot of the town fans. I 
talk to, it's worse than hatred. I think if you're feeling hatred, yeah, yeah, you are invested. If they were rock bottom and losing every game, that vitriol would actually carry fans through. If you're successful, everybody's happy. If you're in the mid-table, but you feel you can see a progression path, you can see some... Some I think that's what some fans want. That's, that's yeah, want. and at the moment, the problem is what you've got is all of these unknowns, which nobody can answer. You know, like, we haven't got answers. Us three sat here. Steve Chicken hasn't got answers. Richard Kuzmala hasn't got answers. You know, nobody can give you the answers. It does create apathy, and apathy is the real killer. I think there was, was there 412 Huddersfield Town fans there today? And I take my hat up to each and every yeah, one of them, great. and I know it's, it's the last. Worst. It's the worst fixture, isn't it, that you could get two yeah. days before Christmas? It's so, and I, that's the thing. But I know it's the worst possible time of year. It's the worst time of year to have that particular fixture, etc. But you know, I I suspect that's probably 150, 200 down on if things were even slightly better. You know what what it could have possibly been, and. Yeah, the club are well aware that apathy is the real killer. That's that's the thing. You need people to be invested one way or another, or it, a football yeah. club doesn't work. It runs I mean, on emotion. Of course, I just want to make sure, well, not make sure, but I just want to see that Huddersfield Town have a plan. And if they've got a plan and they're following through with a plan, stick to it. If Darren Moore's the plan, stick to it. If it's not, make it interchangeable. It, managers should always be interchangeable anyway, but... You know where I'm coming from. That I just want to see progression for my football club because at the minute it feels like we're back where we were 12 months ago and that's not any form of progression. So uh, I think that's it. I think Chris Watson says, thanks for all your efforts across the pods. It's like Huddersfield Town therapy. Honestly, mate, I think I feel like I need therapy after we do these these podcasts, I'll be honest. <laughs> um, Dave, I think it's possible, isn't it, online to give, give the gift of chicken um, in somebody's Ooh. stocking, isn't it? There's There's a way that you can gift... Um, yeah, if you go onto Substack, you can gift people a subscription. And there's also a system whereby if you don't want to gift somebody, if you can convince people to sign up, um, they can put that they were recommended by you. And there's all sorts of tiers of you can get three months, three year, I think, if you recommend 20 people who sign up. So there's all sorts of stuff online. But you you get the podcast with me. And I'm writing the odd bit as and when I get the chance. But you get sort of all of the the real analytical and the, the longer form stuff from Steve. But it's not, we are Terriers, he's not sort of covering the news. So we're not doing injury news and we're not turning a Darren Moore press conference into eight pieces all with, you know, taking Just do the good stuff, second. don't you? Just the good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it, it's your five conclusions. It's it's your sort of analysis stuff. It's interviews. We've got some good stuff lined up um, from people in the club. And, yeah, it's just trying to – I think with the examiner going, one of the things we were conscious of is that there needed to be, like, an authoritative voice still out there. and. I think Steve is an authoritative voice on Huddersfield Town. I don't think anybody can really argue that. So I think it's a very good thing that he is continuing and he is getting the chance to to keep doing what he's doing. There'll be lots of people watching this and listening to this who are subscribed, and I just want to personally thank them because we've we've had an incredible response and we had a number in mind that made it worthwhile doing. 
and we went past that number on the Thursday and then it just kept going up and up and up and up and it's now at a point where Steve was at Norwich today and he was at Mill the other week because um, he can afford to do away games and keep the coverage up and go to press conferences and various other things. So it's um, the we were we were thinking about a very even more scaled down model and the support we've had has managed it to already we've managed to invest a lot more into it. So yeah, thank you to everyone who signed up. Hashtag back the beak, I think. Um, Sean O'Toole says, Matt, where is Fraser Campbell? I don't understand what Sean means. I'll be honest, and then he's laughing. I haven't got a clue what that means. Campbell, I've got no idea. Um, if if I'd love to do an interview with Fraser Campbell if that's where he's going. I think Fraser Campbell would be a lot of fun, but I'm not we'll we'll uh, we'll try and get in touch with him. So there we go. And and do you know what, Dave? Just as you've said that, Michael F ninety three says it's great value for anyone who's thinking of signing up. So there's your endorsement, Michael. So there we go, Michael. It is. I've signed up. I mean, it's it's just oh, yeah. worth it. It's just it's just it's a no brainer. It's a fiver. What are you gonna? Well, so we're gonna spend that on a month. You get all of the things that David just mentioned, and you get Robin Hood screenshot analogies from uh, you know, which delighted me this week. That's like one of my absolute favorite Disney movies. It's that's oh, yeah, what you yeah. get. Like you get all of the beautiful Huddersfield town analysis. You also get Robin Hood shots. So, two thumbs up. I, I can't imagine anybody listening to this would not feel like they got their money's worth from We Are Terriers. Just, just go subscribe. Come on. On a website that uh, is, uh, there certain things we're not allowed to say. So I'm just going to say on a website that is easily readable as well. <laughs> there is, well, there's also that. <laughs> I'm allowed to. I'm allowed to say that Reach is a load of shit because it's full of adverts, whereas you know chickens, you can actually read it. So I'm allowed to say that Dave's not. I can. Yeah. So there you I go. Can't, I, I don't. I, I don't. I, think I, don't Dave, I don't even think that's where Dave was going with. But you know, I'll say it. So <laughs> there we go. And uh, and Sean says, "Well done, David. I know how hard it is to commit to fan base media. Good on you. I mean, I mean, there's there's me sat here doing fan base media. Just just sat there going, what's going on here? But anyway, <laughs> but uh, yeah, thanks guys. Thanks for listening this week. It's it's a tough it's a tough one at the minute. Uh, we all feel it. I mean, we, we all feel it because we're Huddersfield fans. Uh, even Dave, you know, he's definitely protests way too much for an invested neutral. Um, guys, that's it. So we'll have to manage what we do over Christmas. Um, we'll try and get the Clem podcast out uh, as soon as we can. In terms of reviews, um, we may revisit after... Um, after the Middlesbrough game and, and cover both games. And uh, until then, we'll hit you with a good, with a good music. There's a team that is dear to its followers. Colors are bright, blue and white They're a team of renown They're the pride of the town And the game of football is their delight And all the while upon the field of play Thousands loudly cheer them on the way Often you can hear them say 
Who can beat the town today? And then the bells will ring so merrily. Every ghost shall be a memory. So town, play up and bring that car back to Huddersfield. So town, play up and bring the car back to Lads, what's your favourite 90th minute goal? Got to be Heffley against Leeds. A shot from Moy and sliding in at the death, Michael Heffley. Great finish to the game. Shared with my family, only made better by ordering McDonald's via McDelivery afterwards. Three points, not nugget share box, spot on. Order McDelivery now by the McDonald's app. You in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.